our most uh, recent lockdown, if you've been following along, um, I know some were, some other probably didn't even tune in at all. But uh, it's up to you, I guess. God honors faithfulness. And faithfulness is also a thing that we should do when we're not in the building. Um, Luke 16 and 10 says, One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. So it's good for us to continue to be faithful in whatever it is that we have to do, whatever we can do. And I realize some people weren't able to because of you know, the internet and all that. But, um, thank you to the ones that were, the ones that joined us every week. You know who you are. But anyways, during this lockdown, we we were going through some of the songs, and we call it Songs from Home. Uh, we're not home right now. Some people may be online, but we call it Songs from Home. And so this Father's Day, we're going to kind of wrap that up, and that little series up with a few verses and songs that talk about God as a father. So I don't really have a good title, just a father in the songs. I don't know. Whatever. A song father. Oh, that would have been great. <laughs> I'm not going to read anything yet. We'll go. There's only four verses that we're going to talk about when we're going through those. So uh, let's pray before we go any further. <coughs> pray for my foolish, whatever's going on, cough. Anyway, let's pray that God would speak to us through his spirit and his word. He's already moving here. Let's pray that he would continue to have his way. Jesus, we worship you today. Hallelujah, God. We thank you that we could again gather together in your presence. God, we pray that you would speak to us today through your word. In Jesus' name, I know Father's Day is kind of awkward for some, but God, I pray that we would turn to you as our Heavenly Father today. In Jesus' name, God, I pray that you would speak peace and, and love and hope in the lives today, I pray. In Jesus' name, let your will be done. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. You can be seated if you want. Um, Father's Day is one of those days that can be a bit awkward for some people. I know I I didn't love it um, before we had kids. And then it's a little different when we're on the other end. Some people never get over that. Um, you know, some fathers haven't been the best, and um, and people have a hard time with it. And it's not unlike Mother's Day. I know we always, for some reason, society is like, oh, fathers are all terrible. You know, there's there's bad fathers, there's bad mothers. There's, you know, it's, we kind of just forget about moms for some reason. And I don't know. And, but no, it brings a bit of emotions, and people on um, people on the internet are trying to cancel Father's Day because that's what they do now on the internet. That's all we do is cancel things. Um, it's been canceled machine. And I realize some may have had bad fathers. And whenever we do this, whenever we do Father's Day, we always feel like we need to address the bad fathers. But there is a lot of good fathers. And that's what we want to focus on yeah. on today. I know some of us, you know, maybe our dads weren't there. Uh, maybe they passed away. Um, that's my story. You know it. So I realize all of these things. And should it be canceled? Probably not. Because God gave us fathers. Yeah. More importantly, 
God is our Father. Amen. And so, this is, you know, there's certain messages people come to church expecting on certain days of the year. And, you know, I have a hard time with most of them, but Father's Day, for some reason, even though it wasn't my favorite day growing up, it's a bit easier to preach than others. And last year we were still online, but we focused on a story of a father named Jairus in the Bible as an example to us dads. And this year we're going to focus, obviously, we're going to talk about God as our father. Because no matter what your earthly father was like, whether he was good or bad or not even there or there or whatever, God can be your father today, and he wants to. And so we're going to look at a few verses in Psalms. Now talk about God as a father to help us get a better understanding of what kind of a father he is. Because some of us, are, our views of fatherhood are a little skewed. And, you know, when I, we, started, we started having kids, I don't know, we haven't stopped apparently. When we, when we first had a child, Annabelle, I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't really have an example, you know, and... And so I didn't have any of the basics on, so all I really had is, you know, what God does. And um, try to be the best, ver I don't know, version of that for my children. Um, if that makes sense. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about um, today. And so we're going to get a better understanding of what kind of father God is. And maybe that will help us as fathers reflect that to our, our children and be better and be more like him. So I'm going to talk to the fellows a bit today, but everyone else too, so you can all listen. Because I know most of you aren't fathers. You all didn't come here just to listen to me preach to five people. Or whatever, I didn't count. But first, I'm going to share the importance of a father. According to a pediatric society, <coughs> and as we, we talk about fathers today, about our Heavenly Father, I want you to think about these things. And are, are we as men doing this? And how does God do these things for us as a father? So, um, the importance of fathers in emotional development. Fathers, like mothers, are pillars in the development of a child's emotional well-being. Children look to their fathers to lay down the rules and enforce them. Did you know that? They also look to their fathers to provide a feeling of security, both physical and emotional. Children want to make their fathers proud, and an involved father promotes inner growth and strength. Studies have shown that when fathers are affectionate and supportive, it greatly affects a child's mental and social development, and also instills an overall sense of well-being and self-confidence. And fathers, they set the bar for relationships with others. They not only influence who we are inside, but how we have relationships with people as we grow. The way the father treats his child will influence what he or she looks for in other people. The pattern a father sets in the relationships with his children will dictate how his children relate to other people. So fathers and daughters, that's all of us that have small children here. <laughs> Young girls depend on their fathers for security and emotional support. A father shows his daughter what a good relationship with a man is like, as an example with his mother, or her mother. If a father is loving and gentle, a daughter will look for these qualities in men when she's old enough to begin dating, which is a frightful thought. If a father is strong and valiant, she will relate closely to men of the same character, which most of you as women would probably know that. 
but as fathers we don't. <laughs> the fathers and their sons, unlike girls who model their relationships with others based on the father's character, boys model themselves after their father's character. They will seek approval from their fathers. From a very young age, as human beings, we grow by imitating the behavior of those around us. That's how we learn to function in the world. If a father is caring and treats people with respect, the young boy will grow up much the same. If a father is absent, young boys will look to other male figures to set the rules for how to behave and survive in the world. And often, it's not always the best examples. So fathers are important. That's not from a preacher. That's not from a Bible. That's from studies. <coughs> so fathers are important. You, as fathers, are important. I, don't, I know the world tries to diminish the role of a father, but you are important. God put you here for a reason. So now we're going to go to the Bible. If everyone's still awake. The first verse that we're going to talk about in Psalms that mentions God as a father is Psalm 89 and 26. It says, He shall cry to me, Thou art my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. So the first thing we can learn about God as a father in Psalms is that he is the rock of my salvation. So in this verse, first off, as we read it, it may sound a little bit confusing. The psalm writer is writing what God said <coughs> about David and what David is going to cry. So this, this is God saying that David will cry unto him and say these things. You are my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. <coughs> and we know that David also said these kinds of things about God. In Psalm 18 and, and 2, he said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler, the horn of my salvation, and my high a high tower. He says that God is a rock. God is solid. God is the horn of salvation, which is a weird sounding thing to us. But Zacharias in the New Testament, when he sees Jesus, he says in Luke uh, 1 and 69, he had raised him up. He hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the, um, in the house of his servant David, which I think is interesting that the Bible has these little sayings and it kind of pulls them all together. And shows us that God and Jesus would call it the same thing. Maybe it's because God is one. But going back to Psalms. He says, Thou art my Father and my God and the rock of my salvation. And a rock here is clearly a metaphor for something solid. Something immovable. Something that doesn't change very quickly or change very easily. Something um, to build on. A strong foundation in, in a world like now where things are changing constantly. Morals, ideals, right and wrong every day seems to be changing. One thing that was right a few years ago is now wrong, right? All the different agendas being pushed and forced upon people, all the mental gymnastics that we have to go through. Is this gonna, is this gonna upset someone or whatever? This is why I don't wanna preach online because somebody's gonna take something wrong somewhere and we're gonna get in trouble. There's all these ever-changing opinions of our world. And in a world like that, it's reassuring to us that God doesn't change. He is a rock. He is a solid. And God is our rock. And not only is he a rock, but he is the rock of our salvation. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand all other ground 
is sinking sand. And everything around us changes daily, but I am so thankful that my salvation is built and rests on the solid rock. In Acts 4 and 12, it says, Neither is there a salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And salvation is found in one name and one name only, Jesus. He is our Father, and He is the rock of our salvation. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in our Father. And when we start putting our hope in other things, when, when we start you know, putting our trust and hope in other things and looking to political things and whatever to, to save us or the government or all of you, they've let it, you know, hopefully nobody does that anymore. When we start putting our hope in other things, we will fail. When we put our hope in other people, they will let us down. When we start doing this, we will be overwhelmed. So the first thing that Psalm teaches us about our Heavenly Father, which are in heaven, hallowed be thy name, it is that He is solid. He is our salvation. And as fathers, I know some fathers aren't there. Some fathers run away. Some fathers change depending on the day. Depending on what is in their system. Some fathers can be moody. But a good father is strong. Not always physically. <laughs> a good father is strong and solid in there. And as a father, you know, we're never going to be the rock of salvation. But we can be solid. We can be solid in our faith. We can be unwavering in our faith, in our commitment to God. We can be consistent. And, you know, none of this, oh, today we'll go to church. Maybe next week we won't. We'll see. Today we're living for God. Now we're not. Now we're going to do this. You know, some people do that, and that's not a good, that's not good for our family. That's not good for our kids. And kids don't need a wishy-washy, spineless father. They need someone who is strong and someone who will lead in prayer and worship spiritually. They need a rock in their life. They need someone to support and someone to be there. Someone they can rely on and they know is going to be there. And our Heavenly Father, that's what He's like. He's solid. He never changes. He saves us. He's our salvation. He's our support. He's consistent and unmoving. And so if we want to be that kind of father, that's what we need to We need to be solid. Alright? We're all good? This is, I haven't, I'm not used to this anymore. I don't keep saying it, but it's strange. I keep looking up and there's people there. <clears throat> Psalm 103, 13. I'm going to read it in the English standard because um, King James says pity, which doesn't sound as, anyways. As a father shows compassion to his children, that's what it means. Not just, oh, poor little thing. Because we use pity different. But his father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. So that's what pity means. And, um, so we, 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 we all see God differently. Some people only see God as love. Some people only see him as judgment. And, oh, God's real. Why does this happen? You know, all that stuff. Uh, I have a friend. He wanted to do a Bible study, but all he ever wanted to talk about was God laying a smackdown, he said, in the Old Testament, all the things. That's all he ever wanted to study. I'm like, this isn't all there is. <clears throat> you know, and as fathers, our, our children often see us as something. You know, what's your dad like? Oh, he's fine, but don't get him mad. And my kids think everything I say is a joke, which is a bit annoying, especially when it isn't a joke. 
And with God, it's true that he judges. It's true that there is such a thing as the wrath of God. The Bible talks about that, but it also talks about the love of God. But the truth of the matter is that fathers are more than just one thing. God, you know, even though he is wrath, he's also love. Though he's judgment, he's also compassion. And I'm thankful that even though God judges, even though he is a rock, he also has compassion. <clears throat> and I think as fathers, sometimes we struggle with the pity or compassion part. When you have one kid, it's easy. It's easy to care about every bump and bruise. When you got two, three, four, five, seven, I don't know, it gets a bit overwhelming. Like, I don't care anymore. You know, the first kid, you do everything for him. The second one, figure it out. Right? You'll know soon enough. <laughs> I think, you know, sometimes we struggle with the pity and compassion. You know, suck it up. Walk it off. How many times have we said that? How many times has your dad said that to you? <laughs> oh, thank you. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you a story. I'm not sure how accurate the story is. This is how I remember it. So if like, my mother watches this later online, which I doubt she will, but if she does, she may correct me. This wasn't my dad, but as a kid, we were in Ontario for our family vacation, which we would go quite often, every year, every other year or so. Uh, we were visiting my great uncle, Billy, and uh, he was involved with raising my mother a lot, because I don't know all the details, but they were often at his house, Billy and Sandy. Um, and he lived out in the middle of nowhere, and this guy was old school. Like, like they didn't even have indoor plumbing for their toilet, and it was, this was the 90s, like, this wasn't the 50s. Like, I, didn't, I don't know. And then, <laughs> it was crazy. My mother would tell us, you know, whatever, all this stuff. But, it was, it was wild. This guy, he was just hardcore, you know, one of those tough, tough guys. And, I was maybe Annabelle's age or so, and we were out playing in, in the yard. They had a creek, or a crick, as they called it, out back. And, you know, we were trying to catch frogs and stuff and all, whatever. And, you know, those guys don't mow their lawns. It was like this, you know, tall grass. I didn't worry about ticks then. I, don't, I never even heard of, really saw ticks until we moved here, so I don't know what the deal is. But we were out playing in the grass. And I, I sliced my foot or my leg. I don't remember exactly what happened, but there was a there was a good gash somewhere. And I don't know where it came from because the grass was so stinking high. No, then there's stuff everywhere. You know, you know people like that. Maybe you are. I don't know. <laughs> stuff all over the yard and it grows up and you don't know where it is. So we, I was bleeding pretty bad, and I'm freaking out over it because I'm I don't know ten or eleven or something. I, I don't know how old it was. I'm not very old. And I'm really pretty good. I'm going to die. So I, I come to the house where everyone is. I find it through the, through the grass. And I come to the house and I'm screaming, crying, right? Because whatever. And I'm worried. And this guy gets in my face and he starts yelling at me, where is your heart? I'm like, what? Where is your heart? I'm like, here, I think. And in my head, I'm like, what kind of stupid question is this? I'm bleeding, like, he's like, well, that's a long way from your heart, you're not going to die. <laughs> Completely illogical. That's not how it works, Billy. <laughs> you're not going to die, because... <laughs> <laughs> that's what he told me. No cares. 
But I think sometimes as dads, you can get sick of hearing all the crying. Right? This guy was tough. Just, <laughs> just stop. I mean, with the first little baby, well, what's wrong with the heart? And then, you know, Lucy, whatever, just stop. That's a long way from your heart. And I think we can kind of lose that compassion aspect of, of a father if we aren't careful. We can turn it like Billy. He was a great guy, but very little time for children bleeding, apparently. Especially if it wasn't in your heart. He wasn't a doctor. We can lose that, but God, God shows compassion for us, every single one of us. And he cares about every need that we have, and he cares about everything that we go through. He cares about what we're dealing with. He has compassion on us. Jesus said in Luke 12, 6 to 7, are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. He knows, he cares about these little sparrows. He says, you're worth more. He even knows how many hairs are on your head, and some make it easier than others. Zero. Some people make God care about them more. No, just joking. But he cares about he cares about the small stuff. And we should never be afraid to bring whatever it is that we are dealing with, whatever it is that we have, to him. He's not like my great uncle Billy. There's a long way from your heart, suck it up. I'm gonna die. He does, he's not like that. He has <laughs> compassion. I feel bad. Bring it, whatever. Yet he has compassion. He cares. We can bring our burdens, our cares to him. We can bring our burdens, our concerns, our struggles, our sin, whatever it is. He's compassionate on us. He has compassion. He loves. He takes the time and he cares. The word um, in the King James pity is translated it can be compassion, but it can also mean love. And our Heavenly Father loves us. And I think sometimes our relationships with other people, our fathers, our father figures have, have caused us to be a bit reluctant to bring our issues, our concerns, or our stuff to Jesus. Because we try to do it with other people, and you know, they say, it's a long way from your heart, suck it up, or you know, grow up, or whatever, you know, the things that we say to each other. And I think that can affect how we see Jesus, but he cares about that stuff. He wants to listen, he wants to hear, he wants to heal broken hearts and set captives free and all of those things. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to show you in the Bible. Because that's the best way. Matthew 14 and 14. Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. He had compassion on them because they were sick. Matthew 9 and 36. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. And were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. He had compassion on them because they were lost and wandering. Luke 7 and 13, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Weep not. This was a woman that her son had just died. She's heartbroken. This was a funeral procession with her boy. And Jesus had compassion on her because she was heartbroken. Mark 8 and 2, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. He had compassion on the crowd because they were hungry. Mark 9 and 22, and oft times I cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But thou canst 
If thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. There was a boy that was possessed of a devil, and Jesus had compassion on him and set him free. These are just a few examples, but whatever you need, this covers pretty much all of our, all of our stuff. Whatever you need, whatever your need is today, he has compassion. If, you, if it's a physical need, if you're hungry, if you're, you need something like that, he has compassion on you. If you're battling with some spirits, he has compassion on you. If you're heartbroken, he has compassion. If you're lost and wandering, he has compassion. If you're sick, if you're dealing with anything, he loves you and he is going to touch and move. He can meet that need. Whatever it is, our Heavenly Father has it. He has compassion. He loves. And as fathers, we should not be like my Uncle Billy. <laughs> in that sense. He is good in every other sense. When we, need, we need to have compassion for our children. As frustrating as they can be, if God can do it for us, all of us, surely we can do it for two or three or four or whenever we stop. This is, this is a long one already. Getting her all in. Psalm 27 and 10. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. The third thing we can learn about God from the Psalms as our father is he is there. And as a father, one of the best things you can do for your family is just be there. Just be there. Listen. Be present. Show up for things. Be available. Be accessible. There's a comfort in knowing that your dad is there for you. One assumes. Just knowing that someone is there. Just knowing that someone is supporting and holding you up and backing you up. That someone is there for wisdom or guidance, or whatever it is that you need, there's a comfort in that. And a lot of times, we can, we can push our family aside for different things. For work, a lot of people get focused on work, and they get more money so I can do more stuff for my family, so they can have more things, or a bigger yard, or a bigger house, or whatever. But all those kids, all they want is their dad to be there. They don't care about all that stuff. They care more about him being there. A lot of times we can push our family aside for different things. Work or hobbies or sports, church sometimes. Whatever it is, we can be guilty of forsaking our kids. And David says, when my mother and father forsake me, you know, this isn't just a mother or a father thing. We can all be guilty of it. When my mother or father forsake me, the Lord will take me. God has a soft spot for those that don't fit in anywhere. Those that the world rejects. Those that have been rejected by the people who should hold them dearest. My mother or father may forsake me, but my God will not. And to be honest, when we put our hope in people, they will often let us down. Even our parents can let us down. Sometimes they can't be there. Sometimes they aren't physically able to. There's a distance or maybe they passed away or maybe they just can't be there at that time. You know, that, that can let us down. Which is why we can put our hope, which is why we put our hope in Jesus because he will take me. Everyone else may forsake me, but Jesus will take me up. He will welcome me and the whole world could forsake us. 
But God never will. Hebrews 13 and 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness. <coughs> and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The fact that God is there for us as a father should be enough. I know I struggle, you know, as a teenager with all. I've told you the story. I don't know how many times I've lost track. But I struggled with it so much. And then one day in prayer, I said, God, I just, I want you to be my father. And then all those things that I wished that my dad had been there for me, for, I started going to God. When I needed advice, when I needed guidance, when I was mad or frustrated with how things were going, he's there. When it feels like everyone else has abandoned you and no one else is there, God is there. Now the fact that God is there for us as a father should be enough. He says, be content with what you have. Why? Because he said he will never leave you or forsake you. And that should be enough for us to get through anything. Take comfort in the fact that Jesus is there for you. Everyone else may abandon you. Everyone else may forsake you or turn their backs on you. But Jesus will take you up in his arms. Be content in that. Rest in that fact. Don't be Stressing about other things, don't be worrying because he's there and he's got you. Everyone else may turn their back, but Jesus is there. When your child is scared or worried, they come to you. Why? Because they know that you will be there. And it's the same with God. We can come to him and know he will be there. And that should give us some sort of reassurance. <clears throat> and the last verse, Psalm 68 and 5. A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. There's not much I can say as a father for this because I mean, we, can, we can help other kids that don't have dads. That's, that's what we can do. We can be an example to other, other children that don't have someone there. I know in my, my church growing up, there were a lot, of, a lot of guys that tried to step up and fill that role. I mean, I never quite did it, but just knowing that there's someone there that would pray for me, or you know, when there's father-son things, there was a guy that would, you know what, you guys come with me camping trips, it's the only way I ever got to go because they always do father-son things they always do father-daughter things or mother-sons <laughs> but there was that, so we can do that the father of the fatherless, this may be one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, because in those days, if you were fatherless or a widow, you were basically on your own and there weren't a lot of ways, respectable ways, for a woman to make money or support herself or her family. They didn't have life insurance or pensions or government assistance or anything like that. So when a father was out of the picture, it was very bad news for the family, unless somehow he was able to leave enough for them. Maybe he was wealthy or whatever and he left it. And when the son got old enough, he took over or something like that. That's about it. More often than not, they lived in poverty. But David writes that God is a father of the fatherless. What is a father? What does a father do? A father, a good father, we read at the beginning what he does. All those things. He gives us examples. He supports. He guides. He protects. He provides for. He leads. He teaches. He supports. He corrects. He guides. He shows us how to live. He shows us how to act. And he loves. And God is all of those things to us. He's everything that we need. He's a father of the fatherless. 
And a judge of the widow is not like he judges the widows, like, oh, you're terrible people, like we judge people. But a judge as in a protector, like the judges in the Old Testament that would protect and guide and step in the place of and defend. Working on behalf of the widow, he's making sure she's cared for and supported. A widow or a fatherless child would feel like they were alone in the world. And they were the most vulnerable of society. They were abandoned or deserted. But the Bible says that God is there for those people. And if you this morning, if you feel alone, if you feel abandoned, or if you feel like you have no idea where to turn or no one who loves you or cares for you or no one is looking out for you. I know sometimes we have these thoughts and these feelings. May I invite you to turn to Jesus today. <clears throat> if you feel vulnerable, if you feel alone, if you feel like others are forsaking you, Jesus is there. Jesus will be your father. I, you know, I, I really... I've told you before, and I've already mentioned it, and this this message. Growing up, it was something we didn't have. My dad passed away when I was 11. He was only, when he left when I was like three, before that, he came back when I was nine or so, so I only had like two years of memories, and that was only every weekend or so. But maybe had a hundred days that I spent with him. Just guessing. Maybe a little more. But that's that's all I had. And you know, I was upset. Because I, I felt like I got ripped off. Felt like I got the short end of the stick. Or whatever you want to say it. And I was mad about it. My, my you know, people would say, at church, you know, God will be your father. I'm like, no, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Leave me alone. That's not what I want. I want a real person. This is what I think. Well, someone that's there, whatever. And it took me years to figure out what that actually meant. And I told you the story how I just got so fed up and so angry all the time. I was like, I can't do this. And I went and prayed. And just let all that stuff go. And said, God, I want you to be my father. And from that moment on, it's been there. And that happened really. Sometimes it may be sad about it, but I haven't been angry about it anymore. It's been almost coming up to 20 years soon. It's crazy. I'm getting old. Er. But if that's you, if that's something that you're, you've struggled with and you're dealing with, God can be your father. Even if you had a good father, even if your father's still around, he's there for us. The love that you are craving is found in Jesus. The support you are looking for is found in Jesus. That protection, that provision is found in Jesus. Maybe you've been hurt by others. Maybe people who should have been there for you have let you down, but Jesus hasn't. And Jesus is here as the Psalms have told us. He's the father of the fatherless. He's the judge of the widows. When the world forsakes us, he will take us in. He has compassion on us. He loves us. He's the rock of our salvation. Whatever you need today, 
can be found in your heavenly Father. Amen. Let's stand. Take some time and pray. Yeah, Jesus. 